his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. It is 80 degrees here in the Twin Cities, 609. Esme Murphy with you on this Saturday night. Great to be back on Saturday night along with my friend Jonathan Lowe. How are you doing, Mr. Lowe? She's back. Well, I did take a couple of Saturdays off just because uh, – Kind of needed a break, you just know, because I was driving you crazy. You can no, go ahead no, and no, it. no, no. Um, but you know, just sometimes you just need a break. So while it's it's wonderful to be back, it was nice to have a little time off, and great to be back here. Um, I gotta tell you though, my goodness, it feels steamy in the studio tonight. Little, and normally, it's, normally it's the reverse. I mean, I normally come here with a jacket or a blanket. All I'm saying is, yes, it is not as warm in the hallways of WCCO as yeah. it is here in the studio but uh, unfortunately you're you're complaining to the wrong guy cuz I am completely fine with it. All right. Well, I know Steve Thompson was also complaining a little bit. But anyway, we have a great show lined up for you and it is great to be back. Uh 8 o'clock we will talk with Dave Schultz about politics uh as always an awful lot going on. Uh we also have uh coming up in this hour a discussion about uh the Mayo Clinic pulling back services at its facility in Albert Lee. A lot of controversy there. And I think it's part of – really, it is part of a larger story about health care uh, in rural or smaller cities, not just here in Minnesota but across the country, uh, premiums that have been affected, uh, the kinds of insurance that's available. I mean I think it's really something – it's part of this overall health care debate and I think it needs to be addressed because this is something – that obviously, uh, while yes, this is about Albert Lee, it's also about a larger problem within the system. Uh, and then we are also going to be talking uh, this hour, uh, in our next half hour, with uh, Jen Edwards Brink uh, about a new exhibit at the Minnesota State Fair uh, called Cracking the Code of Teen Substance Abuse. And when you think about the fair, you think about all the amazing things that are out there. There are, there are so many educational components out there. Uh, I was talking to the Commerce Department, did a really interesting story actually. Of all things, uh, Denny Hecker, uh, the imprisoned auto dealer who lost billions of dollars and was jailed, has been jailed now for almost seven years, about to get out of prison. Of all things, he has a whole bunch of money in a number of accounts in the unclaimed uh, funds accounts set up at the Department of Commerce. In other words, if you've ever kind of moved around, you may have had an account or may have moved, you know, to a different address and they, somebody may have tried to send you a check and normally it's for a small amount of money. But if they can't find you, then it goes back to the state of Minnesota and it's called the unclaimed funds. So you can actually go to the Department of Commerce and, you know, Google Department, Minnesota Department of Commerce, unclaimed funds, or if you ever lived in another state, that's another good one to look at too. And you can actually go to the Commerce Department at their exhibit at the State Fair and Google, uh, you know, put in your name and see at the State Fair if you have any unclaimed funds sitting over there at the Department of Commerce. So there's a lot of things like that at the State Fair that you might not realize are actually out there. Uh, so we're going to talk uh, about that new exhibit at the State Fair. Then coming up, 
Uh, in the seven o'clock hour, we are going to talk about with Joe Nation, Joe Nathan, the executive director for the Center for School Change, about how high school kids can get free college credit. In other words, mom and dad, you could be saving a lot of money if they take these courses and more and more kids are taking advantage of it. Uh, so keep it right here, folks. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCC. 616 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Great to be with you on a Saturday night. Well, you may have heard about the controversy surrounding the Mayo Clinic uh, pulling back services in Albert Lee. And folks in Albert Lee are not happy about it. Uh, just in just a few seconds here, we're going to be joined by Brad Ahrens, who is a spokesperson for Save Our Hospitals in Albert Lee. But I do want to read some of the statement that uh, our producer Susan Blanche sent to me today from the Mayo Clinic um, explaining sort of their point of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's, it's long. Uh, but it says, uh, access to high-quality health care has been at the core of our mission since the Mayo Brothers founded the clinic more than 150 years ago. It's a belief that we share with people in Albert Lee, and it's precisely why we must move forward. The challenges facing health care, including changing demographics, technology advances, and a severe shortage of health professionals are happening at an extremely rapid pace. Within this challenge, challenging environment, we have a responsibility to deliver the best quality care possible. We have a duty to act now so that patients continue to receive the high-quality care they deserve. Uh, again, joining us right now, Brad Ahrens. He's a spokesperson for Save Our Hospitals in Albert Lee. Brad, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Tell us exactly what is the situation and, and what changes is Mayo proposing? Uh, back in mid-June, Mayo announced that they were going to take away um, all birthing, um, inpatient uh, stays, inpatient surgeries, our ICU. Um, This was not something that the community had any input on. It was something that was announced in mid-June. Aside from the reduction in care to our citizens, I mean, we're just, we're, we're very concerned that from a viability standpoint, that really impairs the city of Albert Lee. I mean, for example, I mean, Mayo just received $585 million from the state of Minnesota for the city of Rochester in order to be a more viable community for a destination health center in Rochester. And now taking these vital services away from Albert Lee really inhibits not only the care, but the ability for Albert Lee to compete for new jobs, for new businesses. So you're, you're saying the chance of, of a new company or, you know, relocating to Albert Lee is diminished because of this shrinking of services. Greatly. Greatly. Okay. I mean, when you look at the communities around Albert Lee and, and what we have to compete with for new businesses to come to Albert Lee, um, it really puts us in a um, <laughs> in a tough situation. Um, let me ask you, Brad, what other options are there for somebody who, who wants to have their baby in Albert Lee? If you're from Albert Lee or the surrounding area and you're going to have a baby, I would think you'd want to have it in your hometown. Uh, Albert Lee is a community of 18,000 people. So it's not, you know, it's not a community of less than 10,000. And our hospital provides service, is a full service acute care hospital today. And it it provides services not only to the 18,000 residents of Albert Lee, but all of Freeborn County. And there's even two counties in Iowa that basically um, 
send their population up to Albert Lee. All told, Albert Lee services over 50,000 um, people. And so it's not a small hospital. It's a hospital that normally has 350 births per year. Um, and to take all of this away from us is, is not only, you know, as I said, inhibiting care to a large population, but also putting us in a distinct disadvantage as, uh, as a city. Um, what, uh, when is this all supposed to take effect? Uh, there's a timeline. When the mail came out with it in mid-June, uh, they, they had a set timeline. And it starts, uh, our ICU is set to move on over to Austin on October 1st. And then from there, there's a timeline that uh, then starts to move outpatient surger- surgeries and services. And then eventually, uh, the last to leave would be um, uh, birthing uh babies and um that would be the first part of 2020. And what um you know drive time for Austin Albert Lee I mean it's not that far. It'd be 23 miles but uh from the Albert Lee Hospital to the Austin Hospital. Okay. And then the drive time to Rochester is longer I know that. Yeah, that's that's an hour. Right. That's an hour. But when you look at it, I mean, a lot of our services end up in in Rochester today. I mean, that's already happened. Um, You know, our hospital was purchased by by Rochester in the mid-1990s and then merged a couple years ago with the Austin uh, Hospital. At that time, in the mid-1990s, there were bylaws put in place that this type of thing could never happen without the community's approval. And then when they merged Albert Lee and Austin together, those those bylaws magically disappeared. And and now um, those were put in place so that nothing like this could happen to the city of Albert Lee. And, and now through this merger with Austin and Albert Lee, um, it's being moved over to Austin, which doesn't sound like a big issue, but it is a big issue. I, I mean, you know, those 23 miles when you're when you're. When, when you're, you're in labor, baby. yeah, <laughs> yes. and it's and it's mid January. I mean, it might as well be a hundred miles. And when you look at some of um, the population that regularly goes to to uh, Elberly Hospital down in uh, uh, the western part of our county, or down in to the Worth and Winnebago counties, which are actually Iowa counties, but I mean that services employers like Winnebago Industries, and now you have you you have people that are already driving twenty five miles, and now they've got to drive another twenty three miles to get to get over to uh, Rochester, or excuse me, over to Austin. So it's it's not um, it's not a small thing, right? And I and I I see what you're saying. I twenty three miles right now is very different than 23 miles in January or February when it's minus 20 and there's a storm down there because I've, I've driven in your wonderful area when there have been storms and when it's blowing and it is amongst the most treacherous areas anywhere because it's so open um, mm-hmm. and, and it is very difficult. Uh, are they saying though that if there is an emergency uh, and somebody is in labor – um, they're not going to turn them away at, at the hospital in Albert Lee. We will have an emergency room. Okay. We will have an emergency room. So that baby could be born in Albert Lee, but then it would have to be transferred over. You know, if, if it's, you know, if the stay is one night or whatever, then they'd have to transfer it over to uh, Austin. 
which when, when you think about it, because we won't have any inpatient uh, hospital beds. So when you think about it, I, I mean, then you have an ambulance ride. I mean, it just adds to the cost of our health care. We in southern Minnesota and southeastern Minnesota, we have the highest health insurance rates in the state of Minnesota. And, and I, that's, that's of, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's sir. because of that's because of one reason. That's because Mayo Clinic. That's because of the cost structure of Mayo Clinic and the fact that they will not negotiate with Blue Cross and Health Partners and Medica, um, like all the other health systems do, to um, to discount their fees. And so, not only do we today pay, you know, have high health care costs and high health insurance costs, but now. Uh, this world-class um, health care that they brag about. Now, you know, it, it's not coming true in in um, in anything, but if you're in Rochester or Mankato or Austin today, all the other, uh, all the other satellites are going to, I fear, fall to the same fate that Albert Lee does. What, um, uh, Brad, what, is there any sort of wiggle room in terms of, you know, perhaps, uh, agreeing to give up one service and hold on to another, or is that just not an option? Uh, today, Mayo's answer is no. Our goal is our goal is to have a delay. We'd like a ninety to one hundred twenty uh, day delay, which which we have all the major politicians on our side, from the governor to the lieutenant governor to the attorney general, have all said that that is what Mayo should do. The public is on our side. AARP has sided uh, with the, the citizens in the community of Albert Lee on this issue. I mean, when, when Mayo did this, they didn't even do an economic impact study on what would happen to Albert Lee when they made this decision. They, and they admitted it. This was without any economic impact study. It was out, out any health impact study. And um, well, and to get something like that done is not something that can, you know, just takes a couple of weeks. That takes several months. And what we want to have happen is we need a delay so that we can determine uh, what the impact is going to be to the community, our citizens, and uh, the, the people outside of, of Albert Lee that use our hospital routinely. What um, is there in terms, and I know that the governor's put out statements. I know that a number of, as you mentioned, a number of political figures have put out, you know, statements in support of, of the citizens. Has that made any difference at all? Um, we will see. I think this next week is going to be a um, critical week for, for our movement. I really do. Um, I, I mean, we are hoping that... Um, that the lieutenant governor will follow through on on her statements, on her commitment when she came down here, and I mean she was just here uh, two days ago, and and said that there should be a delay. The governor has expressed concerns. The lieutenant governor has told us that what we need to do as a city is we need to determine what we want our hospital to look like, um, get the data from not only Mayo, but also from other uh, like hospitals that have a a similar uh, fingerprint as Albert Lee, and then hire a forensic um, healthcare accountant that can do a pro forma to look at our hospital because Mayo claims that it can't make any money. But, uh, you know, it's made money. Has it made money over the last couple of years? It hasn't really made money since they merged it with Austin. 
And we want to do a study, somebody independent that can sit back and say, okay, let's look at Elbert Lee and let's look at the births, the operations, the overnights, uh, the routine care that is provided there. And for a, a, a hospital that brings in $150 million of top-line revenue a year, is there a reason that it is losing money today? Or is it because of excess costs? That are that are applied to our hospital because what, of the male way of doing it. What about their point that that the, the number of professionals, top level professionals, medical care professionals, it, it's difficult to sustain that in a smaller community. Well, there, there's no question that um, I think that that is an issue in rural, rural health care. Absolutely, but there's there's also no question that if you go and you talk to our doctors. And we are we are lining up some of these doctors that that have retired and have talked about um, the the reasons why they feel that that doctors not are not attracted uh, to small towns under the Mayo system, and it has a lot to do with how those doctors are actually treated. You know, a lot of those doctors, you know, end up having to to travel. They have to travel between these different locations. Instead of um, instead of just saying, okay, I work at Albert Lee, they're going to end up, you know, working a third of their time in Albert Lee, a third of their time in Austin. You know, and, and doctors would, would just as soon stay in one location today. Like, like most of us would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, for I, anything. You know, it's, 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 I mean, they already have very tenuous hours, you know, um, and so to to say that you have to uh, uh, not only work in Albert Lee, but then you have to travel to Austin, travel to Owatonna, those are things that that are just not attractive. Right. Well, uh, let me ask you, um, profession today. Brad, what what is what is the next step here? What's the next you know mark here in terms of this effort to to get this delayed? Well, our goal is to get a delay um, to have the governor. The lieutenant governor and the AG basically talk to Mayo and say, you know, the politicians are with Albert Lee. The public is with Albert Lee. And you need to at least give Albert Lee, since you did a poor job, you were a poor corporate citizen of, of how you went about this process and released um, the notification without any input from Albert Lee, you need to at least give them 90 to 120 days so that we can get our act together and study what this is going to mean to the citizens and the community of Albert Lee and what our reaction should be on a go-forward basis. All right. Well, Brad Ahrens, uh, spokesperson for Save Our Hospitals in Albert Lee, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Obviously, a debate that we will continue to follow uh, we are going to take a break. We got some weather for you. Uh, and we're also going to talk, uh, later this hour about, uh, the new exhibit at the state fair, uh, cracking the code of teen substance abuse, what to watch for, what to know about the kinds of things that are happening with our teenagers today. So keep it here. You're listening to News Radio 830. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It is 636 in the Twin Cities. Well, a lot of you, you may actually be in your cars, either going to or from the Minnesota State Fair. And obviously, there are a lot of fun things to do out there. The great food, the rides, 
uh, all the exhibits, and a lot of them are really educational or, or provide insight into uh, educational opportunities or even problems that we have in our society. And there is actually a uh, an exhibit out the fair, an interactive exhibit out at the state fair called Cracking the Code of Teen Substance Abuse uh, from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. And Jen Brink-Edwards, I apologize for getting the name wrong uh, initially when I set up this segment, uh, is joining us right now, and she is uh, the Director of Communications and the creator of this interactive exhibit. Jen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, well, tell me, first of all, where is the exhibit at the State Fair? Uh, Jen, I think we may have lost Jen. Um, Jen, are you there? Okay, well, we're going to try and get uh, Jen back on the line here. Um, uh, Teen Challenge, oh, we do have Jen back on the line. Uh, Jen, are you there? I am here. Okay, I'm not sure what happened there. But uh, tell us, where is this exhibit at the State Fair? It's in the education building. When you walk in, you go straight to the back, and we're right, right along the back wall, and you can't miss us. <laughs> okay, and it's an interactive exhibit. And he's like, I love the education building because there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Uh, tell yeah. us tell us about why you decided um, to have an exhibit at the State Fair and, and an interactive exhibit at that. Well, we've been at the fair for a long time. We love being at the fair, um, educating people about drugs and the problem that drugs are in Minnesota is a big deal for us. And prevention is even a bigger deal. So every dollar that you spend in prevention, it's been proven to save $18 in treatment later. Wow. So, yeah. All right. And in terms of, um, describe sort of how the exhibit works and and how it's sort of different this year. Sure. Um, It's a very experiential, interactive exhibit, exhibit. And there are five pieces. Um, one of them is, like you said, called Cracking the Code. And it is actually a digital representation of a teen's bedroom. And there are 12 hiding spots. And, Jen, I think we may be losing you again here. I'm not sure what the problem is with the connection. Um, uh, we're chatting with uh, Jen Brink-Edwards. She's the Director of Communications at the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge uh, she's also the creator of this interactive exhibit at the Education Building at the State Fair. And, Jen, I think we got you back. I'm not sure what the problem is with the line there, but um, uh, you, you were saying that, that – that, uh, and just before you cut out, it, it, the exhibit or part of it creates or recreates a teen's bedroom. Uh, right. Tell us about that. There are 10 spots, um, and then you, you it's a touch screen, so you can touch each spot, each spot. And the cool thing is when it comes up, it shows an image – of what the drug may look like hidden, what the drug actually looks like, how it's used, and the other spots it could be hidden in. So really trying to run the gamut for a parent. Okay. And obviously, um, you know, tell us about sort of some of the hiding spots that that parents might not think about. Sure. I mean, some of them really blew my mind as we were doing the research um, and actually talking to teenagers. So um, one of them is a chapstick bottle where you dig all the chapstick out and hide pills. Um, One of them is an Arizona tea can that has a hidden cavity inside of it. So you think it's just an empty can. And Arizona tea, which is a very popular beverage for adults and kids and everyone. Yeah, and you can can buy it on Amazon. So it's really easy to get. Wow. Um, And then, you know, places like underneath drawers where you, you 
um, kids would tape stuff up underneath, um, water bottles, and, um, you know, backpacks, the behind posters, hollowed out books. Um, so a lot of different spaces that teens can hide the drugs under the mattress, but not under the mattress. You would tear a, a hole and put it up in the box spring. Oh, wow. Okay. So in case, you know, so even somebody making the bed might not, not find it. Right. Very sneaky. Right. Right. <laughs> um, in terms of um, what you're seeing at Teen Challenge and, and how long has Teen Challenge been? I mean, I feel like it's always been a part of, of the Twin Cities and helping you know, young people, but you've been around a long, long time. We have been in Minnesota for 30 years. Wow, okay. And um, right now we have a teen camp out in Buffalo, um, just for boy teen, or for teen boys. And then we have our Know the Truth program, which is hitting its 15th year. And it is, or I'm sorry, it's 10th year. And we go into 160 schools a year. Um, we see over 155,000 students. And in many places, we're part of the health curriculum. Wow, okay. What are some of the things that... that- the changes, obviously, the opioid epidemic is something that has hit everyone, and certainly it has mm-hmm. hit young people as well. <laughs> Tell us what, what you're seeing with that. I mean, is, is, is this hitting teens as hard as it is other people? And also, teenagers uh, are, are far more proficient than, than <laughs> most of their parents at, at using the Internet. And one of the really scary things here is that some of these synthetic opioids have been, uh, you know, can be found on the internet, and, and which is very, very troubling and very scary because they are devastating and can be deadly in just tiny, tiny doses. They can, yeah. It's um, th- there's been 350 overdoses in um, Minnesotans under the age of 24 in the last two years. Wow. So that's a lot. And you know, and, and you say the overdoses. You mean just overdoses in general, or or are you talking fatalities? Drug overdoses, mm-hmm. fatalities. Fatalities, okay. Mm-hmm. So that means, and I'm sure there are many others that have overdosed and, and thankfully not died. So, right. I mean, that's, that's a, a huge number. Um, what, what are some of the things, um, is, this is really is an epidemic that's hitting kids as well. It is. I think the things that teens don't understand is that even if your buddy standing right next to you does something, and Liz, if you do the exact same thing because the physiology is different, you could die. And they just, they don't, they don't get that. How, um, how easy are these drugs to get and, and how expensive mm-hmm. are they? Well, <clears throat> we actually have a stat out at the fair and a medicine cabinet, but our stat is that 70% of people that use, use and abuse prescription drugs get them from friends or family. So what they're actually doing is going into medicine cabinets of their grandma, their aunt, their sister, you know, wherever, and taking those drugs out of those cabinets because it's like Percocet and Vicodin, things like that that have been prescribed. Right. Wow. And in terms of, um, you know, the people that are – and what are some of the other – because I assume that there are still also – other drugs that, that, that kids are getting in trouble with? What are some of the other ones that, that you're seeing? Or is that, is that really the one that, that's really raising some of the biggest red flags? Well, I think um, the fact that over-the-counter drugs are used um, pretty often is, is a little scarier because you can get them a lot easier. Um, there's incidences of kids uh, pouring hand sanitizer into water bottles and drinking it to get a high. So, and, and we have all that information in our booth. We have a, a medicine cabinet. Hand sanitizer? Hand sanitizer, yes. I know I can't imagine it, but it happens. 
Wow. And I would think that that would be uh, – the health consequences of that would be potentially catastrophic depending on how yeah, it's done. on your stomach and everything. Yeah. And, I mean, we're not saying take all this stuff out of your medicine cabinet or take it out of your home, but just be aware and be educated that, that it, it can happen. Wow. Um, what are some of the other things th- th- that you're warning people about? Um, we are – obviously, cough syrup is a, is a big one. Um, Sudafed, that kind of stuff that can be made to, um, you know, for meth. Um, and really just Adderall, things that are, are easily, not easily, but often prescribed for teenagers um, can be borrowed by their friends for a high because if somebody doesn't have um, ADHD and they take Adderall, it makes, it's a very different effect on them. Right. What do, what do people, um, uh, in, in terms of the reaction to the exhibit, is there something that really jumps out at people, do you think? Or I suppose different people have different takeaways. Yeah, I I think, um, people really enjoy hearing the stories of our clients and of our graduates. Um, one of the things we have there that, that I really love is, um, it's a simulation of having a jail visit with um, two of our clients who are now graduates that had gone to prison, each one of them, for meth. And um, it's a great story um, for both of them. They tell the story of how it was kind of recreational, and then they lost control, and then they lost everything. And then there they are behind bars. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. They end up going to Teen Challenge, and or Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and they are both graduated and, and living full lives. But I think what happens is you can really relate to them because they're just normal people who got caught up in something and completely lost control. Right. Well, and I, I know certainly with the opioid epidemic, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it can certainly, you know, grab people and it doesn't let, seem to let go at all. I know, you know, the number right. of medical professionals that have gotten, uh, in trouble over this is really alarming as well. Uh, in terms of, of, you know, when somebody comes to you or teen comes to you, how, how does the program work? Do you have different kinds of, of programs and what's sort of the range for, 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 mm-hmm. for young people? So we have a wide breadth of programs. We have outpatient, we have short term and we have residential. So our outpatient and our short term are both um, rule 31 um, licensed treatments. And then we have our, Residential treatment, which is thirteen to fifteen months, and that's how, how many months? Eight or it's thirteen to fifteen months, typically, depending upon the client. Well, that's a long um, time. It is, it is. But if you've been on heroin for twenty years, you need a year <laughs> or wow. more than a year to change your complete lifestyle. So, we also have our boys' teen camp out in Buffalo. It's called Lakeside Academy. Um, we are in the process. Of, well, we're part of a school district out there, and so we have teens come. We have 60 beds, and typically teens will stay there for a year and have CDC counseling. And um, and, and do they go to school there, or do they go to school they in do. the Buffalo district? Yep, we have a, a classroom there on site that they go through, and then they have project-based learning as well, which is like um, vocational type stuff, like le- um, welding, auto work, that kind of stuff. Okay. And what um, what is the cost of these programs? Um, it really varies. It really depends. But um, I will tell you that our our residential program, um, nine, like ninety four percent of our residential clients don't pay any out of pocket costs. Wow. Because it is all covered by um, just generous donors. Right. Why? Well, and I know you know WCCO TV. We've done you know. 
fundraisers for Teen Challenge, and we I know do. that I know you guys that are great supporters. Well, I, and I, I just I think it's so important, and certainly, I mean, I, I know that there are many, many very generous individuals and corporations, you know, around. Uh, the region that that do contribute, which I think is is just so wonderful, and and, and to hear that. Let yeah. me ask you: Do you do you? Because well, I think one of the the when, you know I've talked to people at different um, facilities, and obviously Minnesota really is the forefront of some of these you know uh, rehab centers. What what kind of I, I don't want to say success, but recidivism rate do you have? I mean, what percentage of people really do seem to emerge, and five years later they they, they are still clean. You know, we have thousands of graduates out in communities, churches. Um, we have 30 graduates, around 20 to 30 graduates every single month um, that go back out into the community, and we make sure they have a place to live, a church to go to, and a job before they can leave. And um, we have over 90 graduates working at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge alone. Wow. Okay, And, and that must be something that really... To see a younger person who's who's been there and succeeded, mm-hmm. that that must be really inspirational for people who are just coming in. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, they know exactly what to say, what they're going through, um, and with know the truth, what we do is we have younger graduates from the program go into the schools and tell these kids. They don't tell them not to do drugs. They tell them, "I did drugs, and this is what happened to me." And so it's more like stripping away the glamour and the myths around drugs and making it less of a party thing and making it more into like, here's reality, here's truth. And um, I think that really resonates with the kids. Uh, We're talking with Jen Brink-Edwards. She is the Director of Communications at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge and the creator of this interactive exhibit at the Education Building at the Great Minnesota Get-Together. Jen, what ages are we talking about? I mean, what, what ages should parents... Because I think when people think teenagers or, or drugs, I guess they think of high school. I mean, is this is <laughs> kids are getting involved in middle school, aren't they? Yep, we start in middle schools. Definitely, know the truth goes into middle schools. We have um, we have plenty of inquiries from from middle school parents, and again, it's it's those things like Adderall um, and Ritalin and things like that that they can get from their friends. Right, and and that's why when you hear these these you know people trying to get, you know, having these roundups of, like, you know, collecting these prescription medications. This is the reason why. Um, Obviously, um, such an important situation, and obviously I I hope that a lot of people are coming to check out your uh, exhibit at the State Fair because it does sound sound very, very interesting. We certainly appreciate your time this evening, Jen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. That's uh, Jen Brink-Edwards, again, the Director of Communications at a great, great... Uh, charity, a great organization, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and she's also the creator of this interactive exhibit out at the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. I'm going to be out there tomorrow uh, with our t- 1030 WCCO television show. Uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar will be live at our booth at 1030, and I may just check out the Education Building because I do enjoy going there. I think they've got great exhibits. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. We have much more ahead. You are listening to the one and only News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 6.55 in the Twin Cities. As my Murphy with you until 9 o'clock, along with studio coordinator Jonathan Lowe. You know, in the Carrier Cooling Studios here, we are surrounded by television monitors with all kinds of sports uh, going on. And 
Jonathan, who I, I love working with you, but you are this diehard Kansas City fan. You can't drag the Kansas City out of the kid. We're not talking about this right now. Oh. We're not talking about this right now. No. Na 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 na. Um, anyway, I just you know, the Kansas City Royals have been very successful over the past few years, and the Minnesota Twins have not. And it's just awfully nice to see the Twins. Get out to like what a five nothing lead tonight uh, in after what one and a half innings uh, against your team, sir. Uh, this this nightmare scenario for me. All right, well you, you know, so, but you gotta love the Twins. They're doing great. All right, folks. Much more ahead. We're going to talk with the Joe Nation Nathan about the growing trend of young people, high school students taking college courses. Uh, it's saving their parents an awful lot of money. It's a trend that is growing. We'll tell you how you might be able to take advantage of it. That's next on WCCO. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everything. 